Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me. I've got really two texts that we're going to look at. But the first we're going to look at is Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and starting in verse 10. And the word says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes. Somebody shout schemes. Against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Somebody shout schemes again. We're g- <laughs> Of course. Pray with me. Father, thank you again for today. Thank you for this word. Thank you for those that are here. And Father, I ask you to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Help me to yield to you, that you would be able to speak through me, that this would be your word and not my word. Open our hearts and minds to hear you, to hear your voice, to hear your truth. Help us to mix it with faith that it would profit us something. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. There's one part here. We shouted schemes, or we might say strategies. Somebody say strategy. This word says that the enemy of our soul works against us strategically strategically in strategy. It is not random. It is not random. His chaos is not chaotic. His chaos is well-planned. It is strategic. And he is willing to wait and plan things over a long time, over a long time. Strategy. Let me read you another one, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. The, the war that we're fighting is not a natural fight. It's not a natural fight. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They are not earthly. They are not natural. But they do have divine power to pull down strongholds. They do have divine power. And so he attacks strategically, and our war is a strategic one. 
The way that we fight is strategic. We fight different than the world fights. We don't handle things the same way that the world handles them. All of this revolves around strategy, and God's got one too. Whenever the devil has a plan to take you out, God already has a plan to keep you in. Whatever is working against you, know that God is not caught off guard. God is not surprised. You can't catch God off guard. So what we have to do is that we have to live strategically. We have to live leaning on God's wisdom, not on our own thoughts. If we begin to respond and react the way that we feel like we should, the way that we want to, we'll destroy ourselves. We'll mess everything up. We have a different goal in every fight than the fight we can see. We have a bigger plan than the battle at hand. We have a bigger picture than what we can see right now. Which is why today, I want to preach a message called, I'm playing chess. I'm playing chess. Do we have any chess players? Even if you're not good at it, you like to play chess. I love, give me just a touch more on this if you would, Booth, please and thank you. You know it'll never be enough. I love to play chess. I don't play very often. I used to play quite often. Uh, but I love chess. And if any, how many of you have ever played chess? How many of you know that the horse is not called the horse? Okay, that kind of separates who knows what about chess. So, <laughs> chess is a game of strategy. Chess is a game of strategy. That's why a game of chess can take hours or days or weeks. <laughs> you, see, you see movies with, with a chess game going on for months because people have an ongoing game, and every time they walk past, you know, one person's at work, the other person walks past, they take their move and leave it there. And then somebody comes through later and takes their move, and it lasts for chess is a game of strategy. It's a game of really thinking and really planning out. It is different than some other strategy games because the goal of chess is not about total points. The game of chess is not about most victories throughout the game. The game of chess is not about one, uh, it's not about earning the most pieces. The game of chess is only about one piece. It's only about one piece. A person, at the end of a game of chess, a person could be holding, having conquered, almost every piece on the board. 
But if I swoop in on my last move and only get the king, that's all that matters. Suddenly, I am the winner with only one piece. It is not about how many battles, it's only about the war. It's not about how many right moves along the way. It's about the big goal because this is never what I'm after. I can get all of these pawns and still lose, but I have one goal. The only chance you have in winning at chess is when you understand and set your sights on the end goal. And to understand also the position and the function of all the pieces. You can't play chess like checkers. You have to know how the knight moves. You have to know how the bishop moves. You have to know what the rook does. And you have to know that the woman is the most powerful one in the game. <laughs> Should have preached that on Mother's Day. Girl power. Come on, somebody. Know that the queen can do more than any of the other pieces. The only chance of winning at chess is knowing the end goal and knowing the pieces. It is strategy. Thank you, Eli. When you're playing chess, if your goal is temporal, you'll lose. If you let the feeling of wanting certain pieces on certain moves get in the way of the end, if you are after immediate gratification on individual moves, you will win a few battles, but you will lose the war. One simple real-life application of this can be illustrated this way. Having an argument with a friend. Have you ever gotten into an argument, I mean a real good one, with somebody you love? I'm not talking about just something petty with whoever. Have you ever gotten into a real serious argument with somebody that you care about each other? If you win, think about your spouse. Think about a child, maybe a grown child. Think about a best friend. And you get into a heated argument. If you win the argument... What did you win? If you win an argument, what is the prize? What do you win when you win an argument? It is terrible to win an argument but lose a friend. You see, the end goal is much more important than the battle at hand. Are you with me this morning? 
The end goal is a, lot more impo- is a lot more important than how many pieces you can say you collected because you were right and they were wrong. So we find that it's better to be kind than to be right. It is a tragedy to win an argument but to lose respect. It is a tragedy to win an argument, but lose all your momentum. It is a tragedy to win an argument and lose everything that you had built and all that you had grown. It's funny how long people spend building relationships and pouring into relationships and then in a heated moment bring up something from the past that doesn't matter and cut somebody so deep and in a moment damage what it has taken years to establish and grow. What did you win? It is a tragedy to win an argument, but to lose favor. Are you hearing me today? It is a tragedy to win an argument, but to lose all of your progress. What if you win an argument with your boss? But now the one you showed, come on, somebody. Watch it, Lisa. With this thought in mind, based on the way that you continually handle life, what do you right now discover that you have made a priority of in the way you live? Have you prioritized battles or have you prioritized the war? Temporary satisfaction or the end goal? Have you prioritized your pleasure or God's purpose? Don't lie to yourself. You cannot say that the end goal has been your focus when your actions and reactions prove something else. But in your heart, if eternity is more important to you today, you can begin to change how you act and how you react. I hope this, I I know we're quiet right now. Maybe we'll shout in a few minutes. Hopefully, though, this is giving you weapons in your arsenal. Hopefully, this is making us think You see, before everything that we say out of our mouth, before every decision that we make, we must ask this question. Even if I win this move, how will it affect the game? Even if I get to take... This peace, what will it mean for my king? 
Galatians 1 and 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or to impress myself or to show that I did it or that I could or do I seek the approval of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I should not be a servant of Christ. Ephesians 6 says it this way. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but live as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Are we trying to collect the most pieces or are we living for our king? Are we living for the most points during life or are we living for the end goal? Everything must be run through that filter. Everything that we say and everything that we do must be filtered through not only What will I get out of this move, but what will this move produce? If I move here, listen, when I play chess, I'm not simply looking at I can take the bishop, but I have to think two and three and four steps ahead. I have to say, yes, I can take the bishop. But if I do, where, where, do, where else do they have pieces that they can now take me? If I make this move, yes, I'll get to say, oh, I got this piece. At what cost? At what cost? It's not about if you win with the move, but what will this move produce? Every decision you make, you may think you'll look great for a second, but what is your decision going to produce? How are they going to respond? What is it going to start? What kind of a spark are you throwing out in fire? Will it kindle? Everything must be run through that filter. We're not playing checkers. Checkers is about who ends up with the highest number of pieces. But our goal is not the most total points scored. It's not about points. Our goal in this game is only to do right by one. And it is the king of kings. We're living with one end goal, with one plan, with one purpose. Jesus understood this. Jesus understood that he was living for one goal. He was not living for comfort. He was not living for earthly pleasure. He was not living for temporal satisfaction or gratification. Acts 8 and 32 The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. 
And like a lamb, dumb before his shearers, he opened not his mouth. When Jesus was at the end of his life, and they had arrested him, and they were getting ready to take him to the cross. Listen, friend, Jesus held all power in heaven and earth. Jesus had at his disposal 10,000 legions of angels to call on. He could call on all of heaven and get out of it. Jesus did not have to go to the cross. He said, no man takes my life, I freely give it. Jesus could have shown all of them up. Jesus could have proved all of them wrong, but he didn't. He could have said something clever. He could have shown everyone that he was right, that he was smarter, that he was better, and that they were less. But that would have messed up everything he came for. His pride would have to be screaming, no! But his end goal would have to be saying, Yes. His goal was not to win over them. It was to win them over. Every interaction you have with every human being and everybody that you think is wrong, and everybody that says something you don't agree with, and everybody that votes on a different ticket, and everybody that stands in a different position, and you want to show them up. You want to tell them why they are wrong. And you want to tell them that you are on God's team, and they're not on God's team. I think we're forgetting the purpose of God's team. Are you trying to win over them, or are you trying to win them over? Jesus was not trying to win. Jesus was trying to win them. If every encounter you get into with a human being, you can remember, my goal is to win them for the kingdom. You will respond very differently to them. If we can, if we can get it that they are the goal that they are the prize, that they are the heart of God, and that we are enlisted in God's army to win them to the kingdom. We won't be trying to win arguments. We'll be trying to win hearts, trying to win souls. When you're dealing with people, whether strangers or those in your own house, are you trying to beat them or win them? So much of the time, we live to keep somebody from getting one over on us instead of living to win them over. Are you after the most points or are you living for the king? I'm not trying to win the battle anymore. I'm trying to win the war. I got, I got one life. I've only got so much time. And eternity is going to last a lot longer 
than this. Forever is a long time. Forever is too long to be wrong. I have to live for one goal. Not living for points. We must remember the filter that we live by. Are you after the most points or living for the king? We must remember this filter we live by. Regardless of what this will do for me short term, what will this do permanently? Every decision you make, every word you speak, you know what it will do short term. That's what you want right now. If you do that, if you say it this way, what will it do permanently? Regardless of how this will benefit you today, what will it produce tomorrow? Have you ever made a decision that felt really good in the moment, but then the bill came later? Did you ever buy anything fun to find out you couldn't afford it? Did you ever purchase a fun relationship and find out you couldn't afford it? Wow, Olivia, you have done some living, girl. At what? How old are you? Nine. You have done some living at nine. She's been in them sketchy relationships. She said, but I will. You're right. And remember, well, don't. That's the point of today is just don't. Did you ever get in a fun relationship, but the aftermath wasn't so fun? You got to ask yourself, not what will this do today? What will this do tomorrow? Regardless of what this will do temporarily, what will this do eternally? All of my words, all of my actions are seeds that I am planting that will grow a crop that I will have to harvest. Whatever you're planting, you will have to harvest. Hang with me for a minute, Olivia. We really need to think about what we want to sow. Because when we reap it later, it's different than sowing it now. What are we sowing? What's it going to look like when we have to go harvest that thing? What kind of seed am I planting? Everything I say and everything I do is a lot bigger than the single moment that I do it in. It's funny how the results... It's funny how long the results of one second of choice can last. It's funny how a decision made in one day can cost us for the rest of our life. It's funny how one night can cost us years later on. Because it's a seed that's going to grow. Some of the things that you enjoy now while they're small end up destroying you when they're full grown. 
Undisciplined children that people think are so cute at the crazy stuff they say. When they get big, it won't be cute. You see these kids running around cussing that the parents think it's funny. It's cussing now. But what they're learning is rebellion and no authority. And you are not helping your child by not disciplining them. Last year, we had some folks show up who I was familiar with. And listen, you, when you send your kids over here, you're trusting us. You are trusting us. So if one kid puts other kids in danger and we don't do something about it, come on. So not only is it fun in kids' church, but it's also legit. We're not putting up with a lot of nonsense. And there was a particular child that told some other children that they hated them. And they got a warning, and they, they didn't conform to the warning. So they got to do what our kids' church does when somebody does not conform to the uh, safeguards we've put in place. They get to sit in big church with their parents. What a terrible punishment to have to sit in here and listen to me. <laughs> Poor kids. So anyway, no big deal, no shame. You sit with your parents. The dad, afterward, had a problem with it, came to talk to me, told me what happened and how his kid got kicked out of kids' church. And I said, uh, what did I say? I kind of forgot what I'm talking about here. He, 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 was up, he was upset about this. And he said, don't you claim that you preach mercy and grace? I said, yeah, we do. He said, then where was the mercy and grace for my kid? I said, I said, they didn't kick her out of heaven. They just removed her from kids' church. I said, nobody took her salvation or even her birthday. I said, she told some kids she hated them. I said, that is not tolerated. Well, I just think that she should... I said, listen, I said, I can't help it that you don't love your kid enough to discipline them at home and to spank their butt to protect them later. I said, but when you bring them here, I do love them enough, and the kids' church leaders love them enough, and we're not going to do them like you do them because we care about their soul and we care about their future, and that's grace and mercy. Hallelujah. Everything is a seed that's going to grow later. Undisciplined children that people think are so cute. Watch what happens when they get big. It's like puppies. They're cute now, but they turn into dogs. It's true. Oh, they're so cute. Sometimes they ain't cute later. Everybody knows that I love tigers. Who knows that I love tigers? Hopefully it'd be a few people. 
Everybody knows that I love tigers. There is a, I'm not making this up, there is a real problem in the United States right now, uh, especially Midwest and a whole bunch in Missouri. There is a tiger problem. Did you know this? This, is, this, sounds, like a, this sounds like a joke. It sounds like a setup for a stand-up comedy joke. It's, it's true. There is a real tiger problem because tigers are way too easy to get. Way too easy to get. Way too affordable. I know where to get them. <laughs> But I'm not going to tell you where, and I'm not going to tell you how cheap they are. And I'm not saying that I'm not going to, but, but I'm going to tell you about the problem. The problem is this. Tiger cubs are real cute. But it didn't take them long to turn into tigers. And what has been happening is that uh, breeders are, are glad to breed them because of the yield, Okay. And then it doesn't take enough screening to get them. And people that can come up with the money but have no business and they haven't thought past cute, they have an idea in their head that if I love this thing enough, I'll be safe. I just have to love it. If I love it enough, everything's... That's not how it works. I'm not telling you what to do with your own tiger. I'm just telling you don't go in with your eyes closed. Know what it is. Listen, if I raise a tiger, and if I die by tiger attack, I'll die happy because it's what I wanted to do, and I, and I knew it could happen. Lighten up a little bit, people. I'm not, I'm not going into tiger buying thinking that there's no danger. You know what I'm saying? But people, people see it while it's small, but they don't think about what that move does next. They just know, make this move. Now I have a tiger. I can tell everybody. I, have to, I, get to, I get to put it on my bed and take pictures, and people know that I got a little tiger. I'm sleeping in my bed. This kind. They're not thinking about the next move. They're not thinking about what happens next. Everything that you do, everything you say, is bigger than the moment you do it in because it doesn't stop here. Everything you do grows. Everything I say and do is like one move on a chessboard. Each move is only going to trigger a response that I have to figure out what to do with. The question is not how do I want to deal with what is here right now, but how do I want to deal with what my next move is going to bring? What will my next move produce. It would be so sad to get the last word but lose my witness. It would be so sad to win the argument and miss the opportunity to win that person's soul to Jesus. When that person wasn't the enemy anyway, it was what was on the inside of them against what's on the inside of you. Quit fighting people and start fighting principalities and powers and darkness in high places. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So be strong in the power of the Lord and the strength of his might. Be strong and put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand 
in the evil day, having done all to stand. How tragic it would be for me to win your pawn, but hand over my king. Nothing is the final move until the final move, the big move. (laughs) And one day, everybody's going to move one final time. How will all of our life moves that we make each day affect somebody's final move when they leave this earth? Jesus on the cross could have called 10,000 angels to show up in a blaze of glory to rescue him. Oh, what a sight it would have been. Everybody would have seen how great he was. Everybody would have seen that he was so much tougher than these little humans. Jesus would have won the prize in pride, but lost the whole human race. He would have shown them who was boss and lost everything he came to do. In his chess game, he chose the cross. In this chess game, the king laid down his life for his pawns. Philippians 2 and 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Matthew 16, 24, he tells us what to do. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. I say it all the time. This world that we live in, the culture we live in, the time that we live in says, you you just be the best you. You find who you really are. Well, the Bible said who we really are is hearts evil continually. Just be true to self. That's the banner that we fly these days. True to self. Express what's in you. And the whole time, the Bible is saying, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, for whosoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world but lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus was our greatest example in this. He knew that victory was bigger than the battle. He knew that the war was more important than what was right in front of him. He was playing chess. He sacrificed temporary comfort for eternal reward. It is so interesting if you will study the end of people's lives, if you'll study the the lives of people that have died and what they talked about in their final days, if you'll study last words, 
It's interesting how at the end of someone's life, how their priorities shift. Everything they say they would have done differently with their time. Everything that they say then that they would have worked differently for, what they would have worked for instead of what they did work for. When faced with eternity, suddenly the things that actually matter most seem to change. When people are getting ready to die, they decide that different things are important than what they thought was important. You see, too many of us are playing Monopoly. Get all you can and can all you get. But Jesus is playing for the end game. What are you playing for? Are you playing for right now or for forever? Are you playing for earth or for heaven? Are you playing for your pawn or for your king? I have something that I want to give to each one of you. I wrote these thoughts down. And actually, Vince, if you would just begin to play however you want to play for this, uh, this altar kind of time. This has not been a long word, but a strong word. Can you believe the sermon's over? <laughs> I have something I want to give each of you that I hope you will keep with you all the time. Maybe for the rest of your life. As a constant reminder in every situation to ask yourself, how will this decision affect my future? How will it affect what's coming next? How will it affect God's plan? A friend of mine recently said that his dad used to tell him all the time, Son, ask these three questions before every choice. How will this affect my relationship with God? I'll give you note takers and blank fillers a minute. This is on your note sheet, by the way. How will this affect my relationship with God? How will this affect me? And how will this affect others? That's the three questions. Before every decision, in every argument, when you're thinking you want to win the argument, you know you can. How will this affect my relationship with God? How will this affect me? And how will this affect others? The next time you argue with your spouse or a friend or a family member, the next time you get ready to make a major purchase, the next time you're offered a promotion, the next time tragedy comes, if somebody needs all these later, I'll copy them and send them to you. The next video that you get ready to watch, the music that you listen to, anything you put in your eyes, your ears, and your brain, Before you act, before you speak, ask yourself, who am I and who do I belong to? Who am I 
And who do I belong to? What have I chosen to live my life for? I have something I want to give you. When I give you this, this is our prayer time for today. We're not, having the, we're not having the regular altar service today. Now, if you have never received Jesus as Savior, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. And so in a moment, as everybody comes and passes by, and I hand this to you, if you want to receive Jesus as Savior, don't keep walking by. But tell me, preacher, I want to receive Jesus as Savior. And we will stop. We will pray with you right there that you will be forgiven, that you will be saved. Jesus will come live in your heart. When I give this to you today, this token that I'm giving you is my prayer for you today. And it is my prayer for everything that you need today. So first, I'm going to pray over this. You know, the Bible said that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul in that they took from him aprons and handkerchiefs and they took it to the sick and to the demon-possessed and when they handed them the handkerchief, they were healed and the, uh, the demons fled. God allowed a transfer of the anointing on that object as a, as a point of contact for faith. I'm praying over these objects the same. This is what I have for you. And every time, every time that you look at this, everywhere you go, I want this to be a reminder. How will my decisions, how will my words affect what's going to happen next? Do I really want to do this thing that I'm getting ready to do? Young people, most of you are not in dating age yet, but young people, when you get in dating relationships, however your family chooses to handle that. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa said no. Kiddos, I want you to remember, and grown-ups and single grown-ups, I want you to have this thing with you everywhere you go. And before you do something that's only going to be fun for one night, I want you to ask, what, what's the cost? How is this going to affect my witness? How is this going to affect my future? Folks, start doing things God's way. Start believing the Bible and doing it right. Just believe you. This is what I have. I have little pawn keychains. It's a little chess pawn. This, this is going to go on your key ring and it'll be with you everywhere that you go. And you are going to remember how important your next move is. And you're going to have to ask, am I playing for this? Or am I playing for him? Father, Rosie, you want to help me? You can take, you can take pictures first. Why do I call her Rosie? Because she's mine. You call her Miss Rose, but she's my Rosie. I'm going to try to touch all of them. What we will is we hand them out. 
Stretch your hands this way and, and, and pray with us. Father, I thank you for this message. While very simple, I believe will be one of the most impactful messages and life-affecting messages we ever hear. And I believe we'll carry it with us. And I'm asking you to make these, these which I got for every single person in the house today. And I ask that nobody leaves without getting one. Father, we pray over these just like we pray over the ones receiving them. That there will be a Holy Spirit check attached to them. Father, we pray for your wisdom for each one. We pray for your leading and your guidance, your direction, your protection, your intervention, your providence and provision and protection, your very presence. We pray for healing. We pray for your touch. We pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We pray for gifts of intercession and prayer and study that we will read and remember and understand your word. Father, we pray that people will keep these and that they will be a daily reminder that my words and my decisions go a lot further than my next move. We pray for your blessing, for your favor. Jesus' name. You need to add anything? All right. Here's what we're going to do. I, I, want, I hope everybody will come get, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I hope everybody, every person will come get one of these. I think this is important. I think God gave it to me. Uh, if we can come from here and form a line, I want to, I want to place it in your hand I'm going to squeeze your hand. That's my prayer for you today. If you need to get saved, you tell me before you walk off. All right, whoever wants to come in. We'll start this way. We'll run it that way and then up that aisle. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.